we are blessed as sons and daughters of the living God. And um, Just a couple of weeks ago, we were up in Brisbane at a Bethel worship uh, night, and uh, we had the privilege of going to a workshop in the afternoon that was led by folk from Bethel. And uh, Ainsley actually bought this set of flags from the She Shop, which is part of the City Point Church complex. Anyone familiar with City Point Church up in Brisbane? One of the largest churches in Australia. They've got a, a great mission in uh, Cambodia. They rescue um, girls who are at risk of entering prostitution. And She Rescue Home has a shop up there, and this, these flags come from that shop. But uh, we thought it would be really fitting to um, start life out here as Ignite Life Church understanding something about what it means to bless. This is a big theme of mine and uh, Helen will be very happy to know that we're starting in Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> Helen thinks I'm a bit funny about Genesis. I, I love, I love, because everything starts in Genesis. I mean, it's, the name itself, of course, means beginnings. It's the book of beginnings. And... Um, I think sometimes, you know, we can forget that the heart of God is to actually bless us. And I'm often heard to say, and I know many of you would have heard me say this before, and that is that the very first words that Adam and Eve ever heard from God were actually words of blessing. If you have a look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then goes on to talk about this idea that God gave us dominion. So the very first words that Adam and Eve ever heard from the lips of God were actually words of blessing. And in a nutshell, that blessing was this. I am the sovereign Lord and I am actually delegating to you a degree of my sovereignty. I'm actually giving you dominion over everything that I have created. And then of course we read in Genesis 2 that he placed the man Adam in the garden and he said to him, tend and keep it. So we were to be blessed in the context of our work as well. And sometimes we forget that. In fact, most work these days isn't designed with human beings in mind, actually. And uh, that's something that we'll talk about in another discussion point as well. The fact that we're made in the image of God, but most workplaces today don't actually recognise that. So, the very first that humankind ever heard from God was that they were blessed. Then we move on to Genesis chapter 9, and uh, you don't often hear... The, what's called the Noahic blessing preached about in church. I, I can't remember ever hearing anybody preach on the Noahic blessing. Now some people reckon the Noahic blessing is pretty good. Has anyone ever heard of the Noahites? They actually exist. 
the very small sect, but they've taken that uh, blessing that God pronounced upon Noah really to heart, and they've actually built a whole community around that. But we read in Genesis chapter 9, uh, verse 1, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And then it goes on from there. But in, in fact, if you have a look at the overall Noahic blessing, it was identical in every respect when you read the whole thing, and we haven't got time to go through that now, but it was identical in every respect except for one thing, the view the earth wasn't there. Now, I've got a theory about that. Have you ever tried to, have you ever grown vegetables in virgin soil? They grow real thick, don't they? Now, I'm not sure how Adam did this before he was wearing a fig leaf, but I've got, a, I've got this image of Adam going around with a big pair of secateurs and having to prune everything because it was so vigorous. They go back to Eden, but the first plants that were growing, they were growing in the most virgin of soil ever possible. They must have grown like inches or, or even metres a day. And I just reckon he was he had his job well and truly cut out for him, going around doing all the pruning. By the time we get to Noah, it wasn't necessary to subdue anymore. That's the only explanation I can find for leaving that bit out of the Noahic blessing. But the point is this, God kind of gave up on humankind except for Noah and his family because they were the only righteous people he could find in the earth. And he decided to start again. But what did he start with? He started with blessing. Then we move on to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. We could only find one Bible this morning. We, we, we had new carpet installed in our house. We had to um, we had to move everything out of our studies. Jeanette's got a study and I've got a study because we're such messy people. And I can only find one Bible this morning. <laughs> it's one of my study Bibles, and it's, it just goes on and on and on and on and on with with, with notes. But uh, anyway, the, the uh, blessing of Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, "Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you." I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. This is the first instant we get off the notion that we are blessed and we become a blessing as a result of that because as you probably recognise from the epistles we are actually sons and daughters of Abraham. So we're in the Abrahamic line and we carry the Abrahamic blessing. So Adam, was, Adam and Eve were blessed. Uh, Noah and his family were blessed. Abraham was blessed. And his blessing was to be a blessing to others way, way down the generation. What about Israel? Deuteronomy 28. Let's have a quick look at Deuteronomy 28. It's a very well-known chapter. It's often referred to as the, the chapter that contains all the blessings and the curses, and I haven't got time to, to read out the whole thing, uh, but verses 1 through 13 go through all the blessings. Now the blessings were contingent, they were contingent upon Israel actually obeying all of the law. Okay? Now, at the time that, that Noah lived, from, from Adam actually right up until Moses uh, delivered the law, there was no law. That's one reason why God didn't um, uh, kill people for murdering others. Right? 
So, when we had a period in which there was no law until Moses came along and Moses was given the law, that was an alternative, I guess, to God sort of wiping humanity off the face of the earth again and, and, and starting over. We had the law and it was through obeying the law that people actually obtained the blessings of God. And if you read through those blessings, they're, they're just absolutely amazing blessings. They're blessings of health, they're blessings of fertility, they're blessings of prosperity, both spiritually and also physically. And um, I, because I, I'm a business person and I teach a lot of business, I, I often refer people to uh, verses from about verse, um, verse 11 to verse 14. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Now, you know, there, there's actually a big argument going on right now amongst evangelicals around the world. I know about it because I'm involved in it. There's a big argument going on about the so-called prosperity theology. And I think probably they represent it far too simplistically by saying that, you know, the prosperity theology is all about us having the right to live lives that are prospering lives, prospering in every area, financially, physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually, all those five areas. I actually do believe that because I think there's significant evidence in the Word of God that that's His desire for us. But if that's all we do, if that's all we teach, then people will think, well, the opposite applies as well. And that if we're not obtaining prosperity through faith, then there must be sin in our lives or a lack of faith and that leads to condemnation. But the Bible also says there is therefore now no condemnation. So I believe in the prosperity gospel, but the full gospel, not a partial gospel, not a straw man that some theologians have set up, perhaps because they've been disappointed in what's happened in their own lives. The Lord will uh, grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your land, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty. Some translations use the word treasure. To send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. I love that. See, we're created in the image of God. We're created to work. God works. We are happiest when we're engaged in good works ourselves. And good works ought to apply just as much to our paid employment as it does to the voluntary work we might do for the church or for some charitable organisation or the time we spend helping our family members or friends or whatever. All of those things are areas in which we can engage in good works. And this, this blessing here is that God is going to bless everything that we turn our hands to. But of course it was all contingent upon obeying the Lord. If you read the rest of Deuteronomy 28, you'll see the terrible things that are in store for those who turn their back on God and don't actually obey His law. So that's applicable to the whole of, of Israel. Let's now go and have a little look at what Jesus had to say. And um, I, I think this is a very, very powerful scripture because in, in Matthew... 
Jesus actually says that he came to fulfil the law and the prophets. I'm in the wrong chapter. Try Matthew chapter 5. I love this scripture. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. So the law still exists. That might be news to some of you. The law still exists, but it was Jesus who fulfilled the law in its entirety and he fulfilled all that the prophets said of him. And there are literally hundreds of prophecies that you can find in the Old Testament that were fulfilled during Christ's life on earth. When Christ died on the cross, he died on our behalf. When he said from the cross, it is finished, his work of fulfilling the law and the prophets on our behalf was finished. So we access all of the blessing through our faith in Jesus Christ. We're told actually in Ephesians, and I'll I'll read this out fairly soon, we're told in Ephesians that we've been redeemed, fully redeemed. And what does it mean to be fully redeemed? It means in terms of relationship with God, it means we go right back to the Edenic blessing, where God gives us dominion over all that he created, where God literally sets us in a garden and says, Kingdom keep it. It's a different garden now, of course, and that, and that is what you would expect because the, the great history of the Bible starts in the garden and it actually ends in a city. So there's development of society over that long period of human history. But Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets and what that means is we access the blessing through our faith in Jesus Christ. So yes, I believe in the prosperity uh, theology, but not in a straw man prosperity theology. God desires us to prosper in all of those areas, physically, mentally, socially, financially, and spiritually. I think I've got the, the five right, the list right. There really aren't any other areas, right? They cover all areas in life. And it's God's desire to bless us. Right? There weren't any curses until the law. And Jesus took all the curses upon his own body as he hung on that cross. And he did it on our behalf. He substituted for us in all matters concerning the law and the prophets. And so we are actually entitled as brothers and sisters of Jesus to the same inheritance as he is. And sickness and poverty, want, disappointment, that's not part of his inheritance and therefore it's not part of ours either. Let me move on a little bit to 
Ephesians chapter 1. Um, this is one of my favourite ch- chapters in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1 actually talks about what uh, Paul refers to as spiritual blessings. And you can read the whole, the whole chapter. I'm only going to read a portion of it um, up to, to verse 10. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me just stop there. That, that greeting, grace and peace, that could equally be translated as shalom. Right? It's the same concept. And in, interestingly, the same concept you'll find in Genesis chapter 1. After God completed his work of creation, he said it is good, very good. That's a shalomic principle. The, the, the word shalom, of course, is Hebrew. It's mostly translated as peace, but it actually means wholeness, completeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. So it's a reflection of our blessed position in Jesus Christ. And this greeting which is often used either at the beginning or at the end of the epistle, it's a shalomic principle. God's desire has never changed from Genesis 1 right through to Revelation. From day one of human history until the second coming of Jesus Christ, God's desire for us never, ever changes. So I love that greeting. I love that salutation. Grace and peace be to you. It's saying shalom, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken from any life here. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now I've heard preachers Use that as synonymously with synonymously. Am I right, Lauren? Yep, this is the um, grammar Nazi down here. Um, you need a few of them on the planet, let me tell you. Probably not too many, but you need a few of them. You do. Because <laughs> I can always ask her how to spell something, or, or, or when, when should I use a comma or an apostrophe? And she's pretty good at it. <laughs> That's my daughter, by the way. One of my daughters. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's why I just took a little pause there to regroup. But some, I've heard some preachers treat um, spiritual blessing as the same as blessing, if you like an ordinary blessing. I've done a little bit of research on this, and I actually think they're right. Although when I first heard them, I, I wasn't so sure, but... Because, you see, in, 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 in biblical terms, in Christian terms, there is no division between that which is spiritual and that which is anything else. Everything is spiritual. So every blessing, be that in, in your, say the physical realm, be that a social blessing, a financial blessing, spiritual, um, financial, whatever it is, it is a spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him before creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will 
to the praise of his glorious grace which he freely has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. Now that's the key. In him we have redemption through his blood. We're brought right back through all of those layers of blessing, right back to the Edenic blessing. We're 100% redeemed, reconciled to God. In his eyes, as far as, he, as far as he is concerned, we are in the same sinless state as Adam and Eve were before the fall. And I really encourage you to read the epistles from God's perspective. Don't overlay it with what you think about yourself or what other people might think about you. The epistles focus so much on what God thinks about us. And if you can really get an understanding of a God's perspective, that will change your life. It's an antidote to all things negative in your life to come to understand how God sees you. See, how you see you doesn't really matter. How I see you doesn't really matter. How other people see you doesn't really matter. All that really, 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 really matters is how God sees you. And the epistles reveal how God sees you. So he sees you as redeemed. Now that means he sees you as entitled to every blessing you can imagine. So whatever is missing in your life, whatever, 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 <laughs> Wow, all of that is water. <laughs> Must be Holy Spirit. Whatever is missing in your life, whatever is broken in your life, is now fixed in Christ. And you access it through faith. So we've been redeemed through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Oh my goodness. How good is that? How good is that? We don't do anything to be forgiven. He's done it all. God's grace has done it all through Jesus Christ, his Son. And he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. Now I, I happen to believe that God does not treat us as puppets on a string. I do believe in free choice. But nevertheless, God is in control of the great sweep of human history. So God and God alone knows when Jesus is coming a second time. He knew when Jesus was going to come the first time. We didn't, but God did. So God is actually working towards the full consummation of human history. When Jesus returns, there will be no sickness, no sorrow, no suffering, none of it for those who are in Christ. In this world, in this life, you know what? We come under attack for all sorts of reasons. Now the Bible tells us that Satan he's, he's around and he's real and his objective is to kill, to rob and to destroy. 
And he'll do it through relationships. He'll do it through family. He'll do it through community. He'll do it through what we call natural disasters. Some people even call them acts of God. Right? That's what what he wants to do. But you see, we are empowered to rise above everything that he could try to throw into our lives and to rob us or to destroy us or at worst, to kill us. We have free will. So we can actually choose as it were, to be part of what God is doing throughout human history. And I believe that 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 even goes down to things like our vocation. You know, I know not everybody is in their ideal job. We live in a fallen world. Things don't work out exactly according to the Word of God. But I believe that it's God's heart that we would know for sure and certain the vocation to which He has called us. I know what my vocation is. I count it such a privilege and a a pleasure that I do know that I'm called to teach people about biblical principles in business. And and I've come across so many who don't actually make the connection between business and Bible. They see them as totally separate realms. But you you can even go right back to Genesis chapter 1 and find a basis for biblical business. It's, it's full of it, if you want to read it in that, in that light. There's so much wisdom in the Word of God, so much justification, actually, uh, for business, because business is the only human activity that generates wealth. Others actually use it. So we need business. Business is an integral part of God's plan of redemption for all of creation. So, he makes known to us the mystery of his will. In fact, there really is no mystery. If we listen to him and give him opportunity to speak into our lives, I believe every one of us can know that call on our lives, that vocation. It's the thing that makes us harm. It's the thing we're happiest doing. And I've had the very great privilege for some 35, nearly 40 years now to be a university lecturer. That was was what I was called to do. And in more recent times to focus, as I said, on the connection between Bible and business. But it goes down to another layer too, of course, and we can know our particular assignment. So I'm assigned right now to Christian Heritage College. That's, that's my day job. That's where I am, Monday to Friday. And at Christian Heritage College, where I'm assigned, I'm able to actually exercise my vocational calling. And my prayer is that that would be so for all of us. It's, it's a sad thing to me when I hear Christians unhappy in their work, because that's not God's idea. And uh, praise God we might be able to help one another discover the vocational call. It's not really that mysterious at all. In him we were also chosen, I won't go on to that because we really don't have time, but we've been chosen and predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And so if we're prepared to partner with God, if we're prepared to go along 
with God, I believe that we will see a day that we will call blessed. So I love those flags up there. I'm so glad that Ainsley found them and actually bought them and put them up here for our very first time in this building. Because this building's blessed. We are blessed. Think Eden. Think the blessing that God pronounced upon Adam and Eve. He said, have it, but look after it. He gave us responsibility. And in that responsibility, we are actually blessed. He blessed Noah. Remember? God wiped humanity off the face of the earth except for Noah and his family. In a sense, he wanted to start all over again. Same blessing. The blessing of Abraham. Blessed to be a blessing. The blessing that came through the law that applied to Israel. The blessing that we have access to now because Jesus Christ fulfilled all the law and the prophets. The blessing that we have access to because Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf. He shed his blood on our behalf for our forgiveness, for our redemption. That literally means being brought back for God. And so you might be sitting here thinking, well, I don't feel all that blessed. And you know, there are times when I don't feel all that blessed either. The facts don't always line up with the truth. The reason why the facts don't always line up with the truth is that we live in a fallen world. It's not a perfect world. Most people in the world don't even believe in Jesus. They have no understanding of the things of God. And so they're not aware, they're not open, they're not even his instruments most of the time because they haven't made that choice to become a follower of Jesus Christ and through him to become one of God's. So folks, I'm happy to pray for you after we will break up fairly soon. But Jeanette and I are more than happy to pray with you and to break stuff off your lives that Satan is bringing in to rob you of your blessing. But I certainly believe in what some people call the prosperity theology. I'm alive and kicking today, really, because of prosperity theology, because I took God at his word. I took the promises of God and said, you know what, I want this kind of life. And, you know, I have my ups and downs, but on the whole, I do have this kind of life. I consider myself blessed. I consider myself blessed because of what Jesus achieved on the cross at Calvary. I consider myself blessed because I've been redeemed and I am entitled to that Edenic covenant with God. I'm entitled to experience shalom in my life, completeness, fullness, nothing missing, nothing broken. As it says in 3 John 1, 10 or thereabouts, I think I might even have this scripture up there. Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and it all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. That's me.
But it's not because of anything I did. It's because of everything that Jesus did. And my prayer is that you too will prosper as your soul prospers. Well, folks, we don't want to keep you too long. We want to take some time out now for community.